How energy efficient is your house? Are you taking advantage of all the different things out there that might save you some money each month? Now, if I was put on the spot to answer these questions, my first answer would be no, I'm not, because I have no idea what the options are to save money. Well, you'll learn a lot from my guest today, Dennis Stinson. He's the VP of Sales for Fujitsu General America, and he's an expert in heating and cooling systems and the things you can do with them that could save you some money without having to spend a lot of money. I'm George Siegel, and this is Homeowners Be Aware, the podcast that teaches you everything you need to know about being a homeowner. Dennis, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's a real pleasure. Thank you for having me, and thanks for talking about this this subject of home comfort. Yeah, I mean, that's an important subject because, you know, if you live in a home where you don't have it right or you're paying too much, so tell me exactly what is out there that we can start saving money with as homeowners? Because I know so many things are inefficient. How do we uh, how do we get to a more uh, efficient way of of handling this? Ah, uh, great question. Well, there's there's always two really important things when you talk about your home comfort system. The first is is that it's got to work. And as simple as that sounds, a home comfort system is to make you comfortable. So no matter how much money you're spending or how much money you're saving. If it doesn't make you comfortable, it didn't do what you bought it to do. So buying an appropriately sized and installed and serviced piece of equipment is by far the most important thing to do so that you actually achieve comfort. The second is, is to make sure that it's affordable because if you're comfortable and you can't afford it, then you're uncomfortable again, right? So it's a matter of trying to be get a piece of equipment that's going to give you the maximum efficiency for, for your money's worth. And when we buy efficiency, like we buy cars with gas mileage, you tend to pay for that upfront. So what you do is you buy a high efficient piece of equipment and through your use, it's your operational cost is where the savings come back. So there's always a couple of questions you ask yourself on that. And, um, but making sure that the piece of equipment makes you comfortable and you can afford the install and the operational cost is, is how you want to direct your efforts. Now, a lot of us have no control over the system that might be there. So if you buy a house later in the production and you're you're taking what they give you, if you're buying a house from somebody else, you're getting what came with the house. And if you're in the very beginning stages, you can probably have more selection choices. So you have this, but when you're kind of just, you know, inheriting a circumstance, how do you, how do you gain control of that end of it? Well, it, at some point, everything has a life and everything mechanical will run to its useful lifespan. And then at that point is when the choices come in. So you first take a step back and say, well, what type of home comfort system do you have? And do you have heating? Do you have air conditioning or do you have both? So let's assume let's assume that maybe you have both, but start thinking about the types of heating you can have. And in a very simplistic world, there are two types of heat. There are those that uh, make air hot and you blow that around your house. And there are those that are some form of radiator. So whether that's a baseboard heat, hydronic baseboard heat or a steam radiator or even radiant floor heating, there's something that makes something hot that makes your room hot. And then there's something that makes the air hot that moves around your room. So when we look at um, that standpoint, then you take a step back and say, well, what kind of fuel are we using? Are we using gas? Are we using LP? Are we using natural gas? Are we using coal? Are we using oil? Or are we using electricity? And based on the type of fuels that are available to you and the type of structure that you have in your house, 
then you start getting down into the options of where you can go. That makes what sense. I've learned, what, I, what I've seemed to have learned in, in, in almost the, the last several houses that I've bought, if you find a way to increase the airflow, whether it's cool air or warm air in your house, you also have to have a way to get that out of there. Like if the circulation is bad overall, if there's not enough return airs in your house or anything. So is that part of the equation is knowing how your whole system is balanced before you try to save money with it? Yeah. So really the best thing to do is you call a contractor that you trust and you let them come in and do a heat load and heat gain in your house. And if we think back to that sixth grade science class, that physics class, remember that hot goes to cold. So in the wintertime, the heat's going from inside your house and it's trying to find every way to get outside. In the summertime, all that hot sunshine's trying to find a way to get in. So what you want to do is make sure that you got the right size piece of equipment. And then if you're using a forced air system, you want to make sure that the distribution system or your ductwork, or in my case, the ductless work, is sufficiently sized and sealed. And yeah, return air grills are important because what you blow in, you have to take out. And by the way, I listened to your your podcast on indoor air quality, and that was really good. That was a good discussion about airflow in there and also quality of air, but good discussion of uh, airflow and uh, balancing of a house. That was a good podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's having return airs. You know, I, I, I have a feeling sometimes the people that engineered the, the houses I live in uh, maybe it was their first time out of the box. <laughs> really yeah, that, that could happen. Now, so tell me about ways I can save money with a system I might have. And and is it significant savings or is it one of those things where they say, well, over the life of a house, you'll save X amount of dollars? Or is it something you notice that you're saving right away? Yeah, so it, if, if you think of that your home comfort system is going to comprise more than half of your home energy costs, now you're talking about something significant, right? So we can we can change light bulbs, and that's good. We should. But the real energy consumption is our heating and air conditioning system. So if we make an effective change to that, we are changing our overall energy, home energy costs pretty dramatically. Now, we measure, let's stay with the heat pump, let's stay with air conditioning. We measure that by a measure of efficiency in air conditioning, we call it SEER, Seasonal Energy Efficiency Rating. The higher the number, the more efficient the unit is. Think of it kind of like MPGs for a car. So the more, the better. When you move up incrementally in it, it can make a pretty dramatic impact to your bill. So if I've got something that's more than half of my overall energy costs, and I increase the efficiency that by 10 or 20 or 30%, now I am directly noticing the difference in my utility bill on a monthly basis. You can save, depending upon the size of your home and the climate you live in, you can save hundreds of dollars a month. Yeah, I mean, I I, I used to live in uh, in Detroit, and there we would have had had nice savings in the in the winter because you're blasting yes. your heat all the time. But now I live in Florida, where your air conditioning is is almost running all the time. Correct. Um, so, what are some things I can do? to start saving some money? Well, so it starts uh, on a couple of different ways. So it starts with getting a good piece of equipment, get it balanced, get it installed correctly, right? Um, the second thing you can do is if you zone the property. So um, what you wanna be able to look at is a, a piece of equipment like a ductless heat pump that coincidentally I sell. Um, and if you put one, if, the way that that comes out of the box, it's individually zoned. So you're putting an evaporator or an air dispersion system in each 
zone, um, then what happens is only that comes on when you need it. So hear me out on this. If I'm if I'm watching the the AFC Championship upstairs um, and I'm not downstairs, then I don't have to heat or cool the downstairs while I'm upstairs. If I have three kids, and I do, and two of them are off to college, I don't have to temper their rooms to the same temperature as the rest of the house. So now um, I'm only conditioning, for the most part, the rooms that I'm living in. Then if I'm only living in 20% of my overall space, imagine the savings that I would have over a traditional system where there's one thermostat in the hallway where when I turn it, it makes the whole house the same temperature, but I'm not living in the whole house. So zoning is a big, big uh, feature that can save pretty dramatically on home energy costs. So once you've done that, and and you like for example, here in Florida, we we keep our uh, air in the summer at seventy eight degrees. Okay. Um, and we have one is a split system that goes one one splits zone splits into two areas, and the other is another section of the house. So I guess there's three zones. But we have some rooms that get much hotter. They don't have enough return air. So I had to put a split system in my office because it was four degrees warmer than the rest of the house. Mm -hmm. So when you do that, when you when you just work on certain areas, is one room going to be all hot and clammy versus or do you just keep it a few degrees warmer? Well, so what I would do is if if it were me, I would find that baseline temperature that you want the house to be at. And then the rooms that you're living in, you would have them tempered to to what you like. So living in Florida, maybe you keep everything at 78 and the rooms that you're sleeping in or watching TV or reading a book at nighttime, then maybe that's the 75 or 72 or whatever temperature it is that you are comfortable with. With heat, with heat and really with cool, um, there's, there's two elements you have to think of. One is latent heat and one is sensible heat. Sensible heat is the temperature of the air. So when I turn on an air conditioning, I feel that nice cool air on me. That's the sensible heat that's blowing on me. The latent heat is all the stuff in the room, the temperature that is. The great example is, is when you climb in your car in Florida in the middle of the day, those seats are like sitting on hot coals, right? That's the latent heat of the seats. Now, if you were to turn off all the air conditioning in your home, all your furniture, your rugs, everything would heat up to a much higher temperature. So when you turn on the heat, or turn on the air conditioning, it takes a while for everything to come down the temperature. So you wanna find that nice sweet spot when you step out of a room and you set the temperature back, you don't wanna set it back too much because then you gotta get everything in that room back down to a comfortable temperature. So normally somewhere between four to six, maybe as high as eight degrees is as far as you would want to set it because that latent heat's gonna sit there and that the couch is gonna get hot and the chairs are gonna get hot and it's gonna be uncomfortable for a long time. Now, so if I have, uh, get, use an example of a typical house, let's say a, a 3,000 square foot house, maybe 2,500 mm -hmm. to 3,000, mm -hmm. and it has one AC unit, maybe it's a large unit, but it operates the whole house. Mm -hmm. could, how specifically now could, could, could you come in and break those up into zones, or does it have to be per air conditioning unit? So you can do a couple of different things. So let's assume in that installation that it is ductwork, right? So let's say... Um, if it's in the Northeast, that heating air conditioner is going to be in the basement. If it's in Florida, that's probably going to be in the attic, right? If that's the case, then there's the possibility that somebody could go in with his own system, a licensed contractor could go in and break those zones up, uh, making sure that they got minimal airflow. There's science to it, and we certainly appreciate the science. 
but they could divide those zones up to take care of the bedroom, maybe all the other bedrooms in the family room or what have you. They could find reasonable ways of doing that. On the other hand, if you use ductless heat pumps like we do, then that is traditionally how they're broken out. So each room would have its own thermostat and dial in the temperature that you want. So if you like to sleep at 78 and the kids like to sleep at 72, nobody's got a blanket on and fighting temperatures or sweating. You said at 72, they said at 78, you got the temperature you need. Now, would, is, would that be a separate unit for each room? So each one would be its own contained space within that within within the house each room it used to be um, but not anymore so now you can stick up the five units on a single condenser and frankly there's a technology called vrf variable refrigerant flow where you can stick even more so in theory you could stick a unit in each room and when i say unit everybody thinks of the wall mount product which is by far the most popular but you can also do it ducted so if you have a consumer that prefers grills and registers and diffusers maybe they have maybe they have an architecture that doesn't lend itself well to something on a wall or they prefer not to see it then you can do grills and registers and diffusers what most people do is they zone the master bedroom because that's who's paying the mortgage and that's who should be comfortable right of course yeah. and then you take all the kids in the hall bath and you put that on one zone right and then you take the family room and put that on a zone and then if you got a you know, partially open lanai or some other part of the house and you put it on that. So normally you can do, you can normally do a home in four or five zones is how you do it. Um, bedrooms are normally two. Other part of the house is normally another two, maybe three. And then does it vent to the outside so it can drain the moisture? How does that get out of your house? Yeah. So how our systems work is you have the outside unit that's called a condenser. And it pipes to the inside unit uh, through a three and a half inch hole in the wall. There's two pipes, a liquid and a suction line, but think a big pipe, a little pipe. And it runs to the indoor unit. The indoor unit's called an evaporator. And all air conditioning systems, if they work, um, because they drop below the dew point, they will condense and there will be moisture or condensate that you got to get rid of. If you mount the unit on the wall, then it drains out the back of the unit, runs out the flower beds and all the flowers are happy. If it's not on an outside wall, then you would normally put some type of pump on it and the pump would pump it up to somewhere where it could flow to the outside. So there's a you, you have to accommodate the condensate because you will have condensate. Um, but it's 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 pretty common technology for people to be able to do it without throwing out a blanket bid for anything. So is there a ballpark of what it costs to come into a house and do something like that? Uh, that's always the great question. And this is where I make friends with all the contractors that are listening to you. Um, it, it, the real answer is it depends, right? It depends. So if it's a if it's an easy installation, single zone equipment, no electrical upgrade, um, hole in the wall, unit on the outside, 15 feet of piping going in, you're probably looking, I don't know, depending upon the efficiency of the unit, I'd call it $3,000, right? If you are more complicated where it's a two-story rise and there needs to be an electrical upgrade and there's not a pad and disconnects and there's all into it, then it can go up from there. Um, the more units you stick on a condensing unit, it's incrementally less because you already have a single unit outside. So really the best thing to do is to call a contractor that you trust. And the best time to call a contractor you trust is when you don't need one. So yeah. when you go to a when you go to a, a party, as boring as that may sound while you're playing cornhole with your buddies, ask them, 
who does your air conditioning work at your house? Who does your plumbing at your house? Who does your electrical work in your house? That's the best time to find somebody that everybody trusts instead of when you're sweating in the living room and you got to get it fixed now. So references, referrals are always the best way to find somebody. Oh, absolutely. You know, we, we sometimes look at things on next door, but you don't know who the people are that hired those people and what the scope of the job was. If they're friends yep. of yours, it's easier to get the information. People shouldn't absolutely. be shy of asking that question. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the, again, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that every homeowner should have a couple of friends in the trade. They should know people to call before they need it. You should know a plumber. You should know an electrician. You should know an HVAC guy. And you should know a guy that can fix the roof and the siding on your house when a storm blows through. So you should be able to call somebody, maybe not know them if you bump into them at the supermarket, but know somebody that you call that you can trust when that happens. Because when that happens, the name on the back of the phone book or the first social media ad to pop up may not be the person, the best choice. That's That might be the best advice you give this entire uh this entire episode, because I think people, you just read stories all the time about people getting screwed by somebody who takes their money, doesn't do the job, or they do a crummy job. And I think it ruins it for all the good people out there. But, you yep. know, sometimes there's a reason people are available. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's some, there's some really good professional trade people out there. And the way you're going to find them is by looking for them. Um, if they come looking for you, um, you get what you get. Yeah. Now, are there rebates and incentives out there, tax credits? How how can people absorb oh some goodness, of that? Yes. yes, there's all kinds of money available out there. So again, it's all based off of energy efficiency. So there's there's a couple of things that are playing out in the world now. Um, most of the equipment's going to evolve around Energy Star, so it's got to be it's got to be above average performance, which is good. It's the way it should be. Um, but you've got a couple of things playing out there. One is um, a federal tax credit called 25C. And what this allows you to do is to make an improvement to your home and get a tax credit that you would take off of your income taxes, federal income taxes that you file at the end of the year. It's form 5695. And effectively, you can take 30% uh, up to um, $2,000 if you go to a heat pump. So if I, if I have a gas um if I have a, a gas furnace and I upgrade to a heat pump, um, it's going to be heating and air conditioning is going to be considerably more efficient and I can get $2,000 off my taxes. I like that 25C a lot because we've had it for a long time. It just keeps getting renewed, renewed, and renewed. It's been through every administration, so it's been through the wash. But the reason I like it is because everybody knows how to do it. Every contractor knows how to look what qualifies and what doesn't qualify. It's very easy. That's what distributor stock stuff that qualifies for that. So it just makes it real easy. The implementation is real easy and it's easy money. It's two grand. It comes right off your taxes. Easy to do. The second layer that's out there is the IRA or the Inflation Reduction Act. And this was passed by President Biden and it's been kicked around for a little bit. It's a little bit different. It's much richer, but it's a little bit different. And it's different from the standpoint of it puts the authority in the states. So each of the states that are choosing to participate, each of the states are writing the requirements uh, to apply for that fund. So the states got money from the federal government. Now they're creating the rules on how to get it back. Um, we haven't seen a lot of that out there yet. We expect to see it the first quarter of 24. But effectively, how it works is it's based off of income. 
So if you are, they take the average income in your area. If you are in the under half of that, so 50% and below, um, they'll pay for up to 100% of the install cost, up to $8,000 for a heat pump. And then they will pay additional money for an electrical upgrade and additional money for a wiring upgrade. So you can get up to $14,000. The mindset is, is those that are most challenged by their electrical bill would get a greater or disproportionate level of relief. If you're between 50 and 150, then you get 50% of it. So you get half of, of what the other is. So if you got the biggest house on the block, you probably get half of what it is, but you still get nice relief on what it is. If you're over 150% of everybody in your neighborhood, you're not going to qualify. So it's an income-based formula. States are still hashing that out. I think it's a good program. I think it's got a lot of layers to it. Um, I think there's I think you got to kind of walk through it, see what see what applies and what works. So it's not it, it's not the simplest, um, but it's there. It is by far the richest um, to be able to do it. And we'll see more of that as we enter 2024. Individual states will be rolling out what their requirements are. I would tell you, and I would encourage your listeners to go to our website at FujitsuGeneral.com. There's a rebate finder on there. Um, once you enter that. It's a little creepy, but it's kind of cool. It figures out exactly where you are and it picks up the rebates of where you're sitting and it tells you what equipment qualifies and how you apply for it. So if there's a Florida power and lighter, I apologize for not knowing the utility, it'll tell you exactly what those rebates are, how to qualify for 25C. It'll walk you right through it. But a lot of those rebates are not income dependent, are they? I mean, that just might be a manufacturer's rebate. 25C is not. 25 no, but, there's two grand out there it's 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 not income dependent okay now the smart home systems i've had people try to sell me those and, and maybe i wasn't smart enough to understand it but that's a thermostat that now ties into your phone is there a way that you just program everything so it works automatically it could it could i mean so all of all the equipment that we sell is uh can do it all so you know, if you want to, it comes with a thermostat. If you want to set it and forget it, it's good. If you want to set it and have it turn up or down at nighttime to do a setback, that's fine. If you want to be gee whiz and have it on your phone so that you can change the temperature in your home from anywhere in the world, you can do that. Um, if you want to tie it into your Alexa and sit on the couch and bark at it and have it turn up and down, it can do that too. Um, there's even a really cool app that's called If This Then That. So um, it, it ties, it's an open protocol that, and we're part of it, it ties everything together. So if it, if it hits 40 degrees in central Florida, it'll turn on your heat pump and your, um, your uh, sonic will start playing. It's a white Christmas or something. So, I mean, you can tie all these different apps together. So it's really kind of cool. For me, I'm more old school. I go over and I turn it up or down. But I, but again, it's it's a matter of what you want to do. Well, when you have that kind of control, do you really save that much money? Because um, I was told by an AC guy to leave ours at 78 all the time. Because when you take it to 82 and then you bring it down and you go back and forth, that it, it, it throws off the balance of the house. So how are people doing this and having it not affect them in the, uh, the efficiency of their system? So that goes back to that conversation of sensible and latent heat, right? And your AC guy is spot on. You should keep him. He knows what he's talking about. If you if you adjust the temperature too much, then the catch-up time and the energy it takes to catch it up exceeds what possible energy you saved. What most people do 
is that at nighttime they change the temperature because you're asleep. So in the in the winter time, um, you can let the house get a little bit cooler. Chances are you're in bed, you got a comforter on, you got some jammies on, you're good. The house rises a couple of degrees in temperature. It's not going to mean a lot to you. Um, during before you wake up, if you have this setback, kick the heat on. So by the time it's time to get up, brush your teeth and get a shower, the house comes up to temperature. You can save a couple of bucks overnight, not keeping the whole house 68 degrees, then you're fine. Same thing would be true during the day. If you are, if you are one of the people that still leaves your home to go to work, um, then you can set the temperature of your house maybe to rise a few degrees so that, uh, and then just come back when you get home. The coolness of some of the apps are is that you can also geofence with it too. So it'll know if you're within two miles of the home heading in that direction, it'll turn the AC on when you get there. But again, I, a good night setback, good old school setback. I leave work at five, I get home at 530, uh, I'll adjust it so it's there. Whatever works for me. So give me some simple energy saving tips. One of them might have been just what you just gave me, but what are some ways I can uh, can start saving right away? All right. So the more complex, but things to think about, certainly you buy the efficiency that makes sense for your home. The longer you're going to stay in a home, the more efficient a piece of equipment you should buy because it's the operational cost. Second is, is that make sure it's properly sized. So that all goes back to that contractor that you know and trust to be able to do that. The next is, is how you control it. So are you doing setbacks or not? Are you doing zoning or not? Zoning is really, really good. You should try to make that work if you can. Um, setting back where it makes sense, like we just talked about. But what if I have a system in my home? What if I bought a home and it's there and I kind of got what I need and I spent all the money on carpet and I'm not ready to do the AC yet? Well, then what you need to do is maintain what you have. So you want to find a good contractor that's going to come out and service your equipment. And what I mean by service it is come out and take the panel off and clean your coil off and make sure there's no dirt and degree and whatever on top of there and keep it good and clean because it's a it's a radiator, right? So I mean we're running refrigerant through it and it's it's emitting cool temperature. And if you got if you got stuff on it, then it's insulating it and it's not able to transfer heat really well. So if you keep it good and clean, they're cleaning the outside unit, they're cleaning the inside unit, they're servicing the traps so the condensate's going away, get a good service contract from somebody. It's not going to cost a lot of bucks, but I guarantee you the pre preservation of efficiency will pay for that couple hundred bucks that they charge you to do it. So maintain what you got. Now, I've heard stories when people are coupon clippers of the amount of money they save. Do you have any great stories from energy savers, the amount of money that they've saved? Yeah, so we <clears throat> we see a lot of it. So the equipment that the equipment that I sell is incredibly efficient. So ductless heat pumps are incredibly efficient. Um, so for instance, minimum sear rating in the northern half of the United States is 13 sear, in the southern half of the United States is 14 sear. I got a piece of equipment that's 33 sear, and we sell it all day long. So it's more than two times as efficient what's out there. So somebody will take out a fossil fuel or maybe some, some baseboard and they'll stick our piece of equipment in and they can save up to 40 or 50% and they're comfortable. So they're zoning, they've changed their efficiency dramatically from where they were and they're comfortable. To boot, they're comfortable. So again, it goes back to that very first conversation. It doesn't matter how much money you save. If you're not comfortable, you didn't save anything. That's true. Any, anything you want to plug before we go? Anything uh, that I didn't ask you? 
No, I hit my website. I hit that we're incredibly efficient. I hit that we're nice people just trying to make a living too. So, um, you know, find a good contractor. That's that's really what you want to do. Have a conversation with them about the type of heating system you have and what are the possibilities. Then when they give you that dream list of what you could do before you flinch on the price, take a look at what the rebates are on it. Because Today in United States, you can buy more efficient piece of equipment cheaper than you can buy entry tier product because of the incentives on the backside. We're in a whole national energy policy. There's funds available. It's your money, your taxpayer, it's your money. So you might as well enjoy that to be able to uh, put the right piece of equipment in your house, make yourself and your family comfortable, put a couple of bucks in your pocket. Yeah, if they're going to give all that money away, we might as well take it, right? Get in line. <laughs> all right hey uh dennis i'll put all your contact information in the show notes um thanks for coming on today appreciate your time hey thanks for having me and thanks for what you're doing good stuff i want to hear your stories about being a homeowner good stories and the bad ones so the rest of us can learn from your good or bad fortune just fill out the contact form in the show notes and you might end up being featured on an upcoming podcast thanks again for listening today see you next time